My mother's people were all coal miners. My father's people were all steel workers. They all worked in the mills. I don't believe in miracles. I believe in Pittsburgh. We play for city and country. The city is Pittsburgh, and this is Steelers country. All right, this is Steelers country. I'm your host, Tony. Week 1, 2017, in the books, the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Cleveland and win 21-18 to over the Cleveland Browns. I gotta tell you, it's so much better analyzing regular season football than preseason football. You know, the big storyline coming out of preseason is the poor play of the defense and, and how how bad the defense looked. And, and really, the storyline coming out of Week One is the exact opposite, right? It's a, it's the the talk about the offense and the poor play of the offense and the timing of the offense and you know their inability to get more than fourteen points against the Cleveland Browns. Um, so you know, as I've said all preseason long, it's it's tough to actually analyze what's going on with an entire unit based on watching you know, a few series here and there. But let's break down the offense in this game. Let's talk about what went right, but especially you know, kind of what went wrong here. I talked about this last week on the podcast, and I tweeted it before the game. You know, My big question mark going into this game was really about how long it was going to take for this offense to get going. You know, Le'Veon had played no preseason football, had participated in none of training camp. Uh, and I thought in this game, he looked okay, right? I, I thought... There were there's some timing issues with him. The, the crispness in the passing game wasn't there. It wasn't exclusive to him. But again, you know, he had some passes where Ben threw it behind him or, or he just wasn't on the same page as Ben. Um, and I think that's definitely a lack of preparedness or, or just have, having not played with, with Ben for so long, missing all of training camp, you know, missing, missing the, the third preseason game. These things matter, right? Now, the nice thing about Le'Veon is that he got better as the game went on. And we saw that last year against Kansas City. His first game back last year from suspension, he was early on, eh, just okay. You know, didn't look like Le'Veon. And then as the game went on, you know, he kind of got back into his groove and had some really great runs in that game. Ended up that game with over 100 yards. Not so much in this game, right? And give Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, a ton of credit. Give the defensive uh, front seven of the Cleveland Browns a ton of credit. They played extremely well. The offensive line was not able to move them off the football. Le'Veon was not able to find those little creases. And no matter how patient he was in the backfield, he just wasn't going anywhere on a lot of these runs. The Steelers had this problem two years ago against a Greg Williams-led defense in the uh, then St. Louis Rams. They held the Steelers in check. You know, I know Ben got hurt in that game, but even before Ben got hurt, that offense was entirely in check, and Le'Veon especially. So, you know, the, the, there's a history here. Um, and I don't think it's all about Le'Veon not participating in practice or whatever. I think there was some game plan to this. But again, you know, certainly there was some rust factor with Le'Veon. Then with Martavis, look, here's a guy who hasn't played football in a year, right? He talked about during the preseason wanting more preseason snaps so that he could shake some of his rust off. And you saw it right off the top, right? He's not going to be the old Martavis, at least not right off the bat. We got to kind of take a wait and see approach with him. He was so good in 2015. He, he was one of the best players on the team. Really looked like he was a budding star at wide receiver. Could be a top 10 uh, receiver in this league. This year, it's not off to a great start. 
you know, I, I think the, the problems that I have with, with Martavis in this game and, and the thing that's concerning to me is the thing that separated him from other big, tall receivers back in 2015 was his, his athleticism, his short area quickness, his ability to take a wide receiver screen, right, and turn it into, you know, 10, 15 yards, his ability to take an end around and turn it into a 20, 30-yard play, right? I mean, yes, he was great, you know, down, just on a seam route or, or on a go route, obviously, right? He's got 4-4 he's got four, four speed. He's a big guy. That's the bread and butter of Martavis. And the Cleveland Browns did a great job in this game of playing two high safeties and not allowing anything deep and, and wanting to keep everything in front of them. And, and okay, Greg Williams did a good job, but but Martavis was much better, you know, two years ago at being a guy who could catch a wide receiver screen, make the first guy miss, and turn that into seven, eight, nine yards. There were a couple screen passes in this game where he just looked like he had cemented his feet. And so that's the thing to me that's concerning is is did we lose that sort of short area quickness or that athleticism with taking a whole year off? Or is that something he's going to get as time goes on? Again, like I said, going to take a wait-and-see approach with him. It's it's concerning early on. But again, I don't want to read too much into just what was one game and certainly a well-game-planned game by, by Greg Williams in that defense. And then Ben in this game, you know, he he was just another Ben on the road struggle, right? I mean, that, that kind of Ben on the road narrative is just going to continue with games like this. He struggled with ball placement. He had a bad interception in the fourth quarter. He had a, they had a chance to put the game away there. That was coming off of TJ Watt's interception. The offense is driving. It's already 21 to 10. If they score a touchdown, it's 28 to 10. The game's over. If they score a field goal, it's a two touchdown game. And he throws a bad interception in triple coverage. It gets tipped and, and it's intercepted. It was just a bad, it was just a dumb throw by Ben, one that doesn't need to be made in that, in that moment. He struggled with ball placement the entire day, just missing guys high behind them, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it, it was a, it was a, it wasn't a terrible performance by Ben, but it was, again, it was not signature Ben. It was not Ben at his best. It was certainly, you know, this kind of Ben on the road type thing. Uh, I thought Eli and Juju, didn't have as much of an impact on the offense as I thought they would, especially or as any third wide receiver would in this offense. I think we have two quality guys there in Eli Rogers and Juju Smith-Schuster. And I thought that in an offense with Martavis and AB and Le'Veon and the defense having a key on all three, that kind of the forgotten guy would be in Eli Rogers or Juju Smith-Schuster. It didn't really play out that way. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes going on again. I think a lot of this was timing. And, and then the other thing you have to talk about with this offense is penalties. And Tomlin really keyed in on this as the reason why the offense couldn't get moving and, and really dismissed any of the kind of rust talk that I just talked about. But uh, look, I get why he wants to to di- diminish the, the whole like Le'Veon held out and that's holding your team back kind of narrative. And I get that. But that, that certainly was a factor in this game. But just as big a factor, I think Tomlin is right, it was just as big a factor was the penalties. And, and whenever you have 130 or 40 yards or whatever it was in penalties on both offense and defense, uh, it's gonna it's gonna affect the, the game on the field and and too often this team was just behind the chains and it happened on the first drive they went from what was gonna be like a second and three to a second and twenty a second and seventeen and then you know just got behind the chains and they couldn't get themselves back going again and again when you have an offense that's already not in sync and having to get some rust off uh, and that kind of thing and then you're setting yourself back with with second and long and third and long and that kind of thing. And and again, it wasn't just like we were putting ourselves in second and long. It's that we were nullifying what were very good plays. AB had a nice 14-yard play that was uh that was nullified. 
Le'Veon had a nice run for a first down that was nullified by penalty. Again, it was just the Steelers shooting themselves in the foot, and it's something we've seen out of this offense far too many times to have it pop up again. They got away with it. We came out with a win, and so now it's just something that the team, this team has to improve on uh, going forward. But but penalties will kill any drive, no matter how good your offense is. So this is something the Steelers have to clean up and clean up now. Now let's talk about some of the good things on this offense that I because I, I don't think it was all negative. Certainly, it was not all negative when you have Antonio Brown out there making plays left and right like he did. We all know the dynamic playmaker that he is, and and people talk about him having a down year last year with having you know, just about 1,200 yards or whatever it was last year um, and, and not the 15, 1,600 we're used to. But I think, th- I think this is a year where he's going to be so much better. Uh, he's surrounded by playmakers. They're not going to be able to key their entire uh, secondary on AB. Um, he's going to have opportunities like this to make plays in open field. And you see Antonio Brown, when he has plays in open field, his run after catch is incredible. I think the thing that separates him, though, from from the good players in this league, the thing that separates good from from great is your ability to take over a game, right? He has the speed. He has the athleticism. He has that, that incredible catching radius, the big playability, the elite route running. But so often what we see out of Antonio Brown is his ability to just take the game over, right? To just put the entire team on his back, throw me the ball, and I got this. We saw it against the Baltimore Ravens last year on Christmas Day when – you know, I remember Mike Tirico saying, where is Antonio Brown at one point in the game? And then from that point forward, I think AB had five, six more catches in that game in, that were humongous plays, uh, big plays that extended drives. And then ultimately, of course, the miracle catch on the goal line to win that game and win the division for this team. Kansas City in the divisional round. Again, he had a bunch of big plays in that game, but none bigger than the third down play to seal the win, to run the clock out in which Ben rolls right. AB comes across the, the formation. Uh, gets gets free of the, the linebacker, and boom, first down, game over, Steelers win in Kansas City. And then, of course, this game. Again, his ability to take over, to be a, to be a go-to receiver at big moments, when, when the moment it is, it is needed, when he is needed to make big plays, he comes up big, not small. And I think that's really what separates good players from great players, and A.B. is as good as they are in the National Football League. Jesse James, I thought, also had a fantastic game. And how unexpected was this? You know, I expected to see so much more out of Vance McDonald in this game. Uh, the Steelers trading for him two weeks ago. But this that trade certainly lit a fire under Jesse. He he did the one thing I think we've all talked uh, that he needed to do, which is to make those big combat catches, to make big catches in the red zone, um, to be that kind of big target. He's a, he's a very tall guy. Uh, if he can make big combat catches... He can be a very good tight end in this league. It's the kind of thing that Heath Miller used to do. Heath Miller made a name for himself of making big catches and taking big hits but holding on to the football. We saw Jesse do that in this game. The first touchdown that he had where he comes clear of the linebacker, Ben makes an unbelievable throw, uh, but he holds on to the ball in the middle of the middle of pressure, makes the catch, makes the touchdown. Again, this is the kind of thing we need to see out of Jesse. He had a bunch more catches in the game. He was he was wide open on the one where the Cleveland forgot to cover him. He had a nice it was a nice play on the on the second touchdown. Just a really well designed play by Todd Haley on that one uh, to make it look like it was going to be a fade route and then get a little uh, underneath screen play to Jesse. Easy touchdown there. But again, this is what we need to see out of Jesse. Uh, and, and 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 as I've said in in my preview of the season or in the preseason podcasts. If, if Jesse James playing this well becomes our number two tight end and Vance McDonald can actually outplay Jesse James, 
That is, I mean, this is what we talk about. We talk about the team turning weaknesses into strengths. This is exactly what we're talking about. If Vance McDonald can be better than this as he learns the offense, we have we have a, a, a very good tight end uh, group where it was, you know, a very big weakness of the offense. So very excited to see Jesse playing this way. And again, it needs to be a consistency, though. We can't just see this when he plays Cleveland. He's got to be doing this as the season progresses. One final note on the offense is the red zone and their efficiency in the red zone. The Steelers were 16th last year in uh, red zone conversions, uh, touchdown conversions in the red zone. They converted just over 50%. This was a huge issue, especially late last year. Uh, you go back to those games against Kansas City and New England where they had big moments in the red zone. They needed touchdowns. They couldn't get them. Um, it didn't cost them against Kansas City, but against against New England, it certainly they were not able to keep up offensively with just kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. The Steelers in this game were two for two. And so... That's great. And whether it's play calling, whether it's whether it's Jesse James making big plays, whether it's guys being open because we have so many more playmakers, whatever it is, the Steelers need to be better in the red zone. They've addressed this a lot of different ways, right? Bring in Vance McDonald, Martavis coming back, bring in Juju, right? They activate or, or keeping Justin Hunter on the roster. So potentially if Martavis goes out, we'll still have another big guy who we can just, you know, kind of throw fade routes to and that kind of thing. Uh They've addressed this in a lot of ways. It has worked early. They are two for two on the season. We need to see this, you know, continue, right? You want to see that number, the red zone conversion number, be far closer to 70% than 50. They need to be one of the best teams in the red zone uh, with, with so many playmakers on this offense. Now, defensively, again, this was a big problem for a lot of Steeler fans coming into the season. I don't think it's a problem anymore. Uh, they, first of all, they addressed the, the quote unquote man to man issue, right? A lot of Steeler fans wanted to see this team play man to man last year, especially against New England. They did not do that. It was not in their repertoire last year. They, they really stuck to a lot more cover two and cover three looks. In this game, they mixed it up. They still use those same cover two and cover three looks, but they mixed in a bunch of man to man. It probably has a lot to do with the fact that Joe Hayden is such a good player in press man and already played a lot of press man in college, and so it made it very easy uh, for this team to, to kind of transition that way. The one thing that this did in the game, and, and look, it's the Cleveland Browns offense. We're facing Kenny Britt and Corey Coleman. They're not the who's who of great receivers in this league. So you can't judge the, the abilities of this defense or their ability to play man-to-man on just one game. But the one thing I liked in this game is it made Kaiser think. Right, he went back to pass, and there were times where you could just tell Kaiser didn't really understand what he was seeing, or he had a, it, it took time to process. Right, and that's good because the Steelers' defense last year became very, very predictable. And when we talk about you know these these second-rate quarterbacks picking apart our defense, it's because the defense is just too predictable. Right, they're not giving them enough to think about. In this game, we were very good about Kaiser having to think, and that led to a very good pass rush. Yes, there were coverage sacks in this game, but you got to hand it to to, to T.J. Watt, to, to Anthony Ciccolo, to all those guys, the, the entire defensive line. Uh, the pass rush in this game was very, very good. Again, I understand it's the Cleveland Browns. Their offensive line is a little shaky outside of Joe Thomas. But again, you you want you want to see the 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 weaknesses of your defense playing well, even if it is against you know some of the worst uh, teams in the NFL, and, and Cleveland certainly is among that group. T.J. Watt making those impact plays, two sacks, an interception. We talked about this in the preseason again. But he's really what we saw in the regular season is a lot of what we saw in the preseason, which is that technique and getting better play after play. 
Um, he has the, the, the quote unquote want to, right? He made a bunch of effort plays. There was the one where he wrapped around and it took like eight seconds, but it eventually ended up in a sack. But it's, it's that kind of want to, the effort that he brings. Um, it's not always going to be this easy for TJ, but he, sh- he has certainly showed you both in the preseason and now in a regular season game, the kind of talent that we have at that position. I don't expect him to go out there now and, you know, he's, he's, he's what, on pace for 32 sacks this year. I think it'll certainly slow down from here, but I'm very excited what we have in TJ Watt. And again, if Bud Dupree comes in on the other side, right, and now you kind of have a very dynamic duo in both TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. So excited, very excited for TJ Watt week one. The We talked about depth on this defense, you know, potentially playing a role throughout the season uh, and, and how much they've upgraded at certain positions. I think you saw that on Sunday. Bud Dupree missing the entire game and Anthony Ciccolo having to come in. Ciccolo played really well as well, right? I mean, you know, he's kind of unsung in this whole thing because TJ Watt, first of all, is a Watt brother. So he's just going to get the coverage no matter what. But then he had two big sacks and interception and no one pays attention to the fact that, hey, Ciccolo also had two sacks, right? Really, when you think about your backup outside linebacker, what more can you ask for than than the two sacks that Ciccolo had, right? Yeah, I mean, Bud Dupree, if he would have played when he got three sacks or four sacks, I mean, you know... When you're, when you're outside linebacker, when your backup outside linebacker can play as well as Anthony Ciccolo did in this game, you know, I, again, I think it, it, it means that we have as good a depth at that position as we thought we did. And then on the defensive line, Stefan Tewitt being hurt on the second snap of this game with a biceps injury and Aluwalu and, and LT Walton having to come in and rotate. Again, you know, you just look at the performance of the defense. The run defense stayed true. I believe they held them to, to under 100 yards rushing on the day. The pass rush was still effective, obviously. Um, and you know, Stefan Tuitt on those first two plays of the game, you go back and watch those plays. He was dominant on both plays. Uh, and, and I think it's, we're so lucky that he didn't tear that bicep because he is going to be an unbelievable playmaker for this defense going forward. But again, having guys like Alu Alu, having guys like LT Walton on that defensive line, having someone like Javon Hargrave, who again, I thought played really well and was able to rotate in, uh, with Alu Alu and Walton. You know, the Steelers have a, a very nice nucleus on the defensive line. And again, it's nice to see things from the preseason when we started talking about, hey, this, this, this defensive line might be the start of something great and you can build around this and, and, and great defensive lines usually mean great defenses. And we saw that in this game. And so that's very exciting. The one thing I will say uh, about this defense that it, it is concerning is the lack of a killer instinct. And we talked about this last year on the podcast a, a bunch. Um, but it came back to haunt us again this year. The Steelers defense allowed that touchdown and two-point conversion on the final drive. This is a big problem the Steelers have, especially in these one-score games, is the Steelers defense allowing teams back in it at the end. They they saw this, we saw this last year in the playoff game against Kansas City, them scoring the touchdown, going for the two-point conversion to tie. Yes, they made a big play on the two-point conversion, but again, it meant that the offense had to come back out and, you know, put all this pressure on them to run the clock out. In, in the Cleveland game last year, and I know this game didn't really matter because it was week 17, we had already clinched the playoff spot, but again, it happened there. It happened against Baltimore, where Baltimore comes down and, and retakes the lead in that game. And, and that was on, that was one on Christmas Day. And then in Dallas, what, mid-season, you know, the Steelers are already on a three-game losing streak. They take the lead on a, on a great fake spike. Uh, by Ben Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown. And the defense, again, allows them to Dallas to come back down and take the lead late. Um, killer instinct is something that, you know, again, it, it's, it's about a team maturing together 
believing in themselves. And, and, you know, it really it is a maturity thing, though, with the defense. And this is what we need to see from this defense going forward now. I think we have the start of a very good defense, right? We knew that coming out of last year. You don't play a game like in Kansas City and held them to uh, be held to only field goals and still win the game. Um, but this, this defense did that. So we knew last year that we had the start of something good. Now, yes, there was some, <laughs> there was somewhat being exposed against New England, but coming out of this game, I think you have to feel better now with the Steelers' ability to play man to man, to get pass rush. The defensive line looks very, very good, but the missing piece here is that killer instinct, the ability for this team to go for the jugular at the end of the game, uh, seal the deal themselves. Rather than rather than relying on the offense to run the clock out, so that the off, the opposing offense doesn't get one more chance. Special teams in this game. This is where I will say preseason matters, right? This was one where it literally directly translated from preseason into the regular season. You know, the Steelers blocked two punts against Atlanta in that second preseason game, and then the first punt in this game, boom, blocked for a touchdown. Tyler Matakiewicz comes pretty much unblocked uh, for the for the touchdown. Overall, I thought the, the special teams in this game was very solid. You know, Peppers did have one decent return, but he's a special player. You know, they minimized any huge plays in this game. And they talk about the hidden yards that special teams uh, gives. And, and look, the Steelers did very well in, in, in that respect, not allowing big returns. But there were hidden points in this game, right? The Steelers won 21-18, to 18, and really the difference in the game was that blocked punt for a touchdown. So special teams coming up, winning games like this, again, you know, Great teams win games in a lot of different ways. They can win ugly games. And remember, Mike Tomlin used to have that, you know, style, throw style points out the window. This was certainly one of those games. It was, it was not pretty in a lot of ways, but the Steelers find a way to win, uh, and special, finding a way t- to get points off of special teams is a huge piece of that. Overall, my thoughts in this game, you know, there's just too many penalties. I mean, there's just too many penalties in this game. You cannot have almost 150 yards of penalties in a game. You're just giving away free yards or, or you're taking away yards from your offense. And I, I talked about it with the offense of just, you know, putting yourself behind the chains, nullifying good plays. But then on on defense, the pass interference, the the late hits, you know, they just have to – they got to cool it. Um, you know, they, you're giving away free yards like that is not going to hurt you so much against Cleveland. But if we start talking about playing against Kansas City or Green Bay – or New England later in the year, right? When you're giving those, when you're giving an already good offense free yards, or you're you're taking away yards from your offense against good defenses, that's the kind of thing that will come back to bite you. So, like I said, that to me that is the number one takeaway. They have to they have to cut that uh, the penalties out immediately. Outside corner, I think seems very solid. You know, I think this was the thing we talked about coming into the season was the Steelers' ability to play well. Uh, with both Joe Hayden and Artie Burns. Um, and, and I think, you know, the the hype is real, right? Artie looked good in this game, not great. Joe Hayden, again, looked good, not great. But again, did, they didn't really attack the outside of the field, right? Deshaun Kaiser wasn't really attacking Joe Hayden, wasn't really attacking Artie Burns. He did much more in the middle of the field. And that's one of the problems we had in, in the preseason was our ability to cover the middle of the field. It's been a problem last year. Our ability to, to, to cover seam routes and our cover two, um, you know, our, our ability to, to cover running backs or tight ends out of the backfield and making tackles at the point of attack. This comes down to guys like Vince Williams, Ryan Shazier, the, the two safeties, Mike Mitchell and Sean Davis. Got to make the tackle at the point of attack, number one. And number two, you got to hold the seam route uh, so that it, it, it's not so easy to just float it in there. There were times in this game where guys were just wide open in the middle of the field. That has got to be fixed by this 
again, Deshaun Kaiser's not going to kill you with those plays. But again, we're facing Aaron Rodgers this year. We're facing Tom Brady this year. We're facing some good quarterbacks this year who will kill us in the middle of the field if they don't shore that up. Uh, and then, you know, lastly, look, the offense showed the kind of, you know, quote unquote, rust that we expected. But look, it's Ben Roethlisberger. It's Le'Veon Bell we're talking about. It's Martavis Bryant, right? These guys are good football players. We're no, we know they're good football players. The problems we're going to have this, this year are not going to be because Ben Roethlisberger struggles with ball placement or Ben and Le'Veon aren't on the same page or, or Martavis has just, you know, fallen off a cliff, right? I don't think those are going to be the big problems of this team this year. So I don't expect that the kind of the poor showings that we saw in this game are going to continue for much longer. All right. And now let's preview uh, the home opener coming up week two, Minnesota Vikings coming into town into Pittsburgh. Uh, look, the Vikings were very, very good on Monday night. You know, Sam Bradford looked poised. He looked accurate. I think it was his best game of his career. He had 80% completion percentage. Um, and they've got some talent on that offense now. Dalvin Cook, their rookie running back out of Florida State, he got better as the game wore on. And that's what great running backs do. They wear you out and they get better and they get better and better as the game went on. And that's exactly what he did. Um, he's going to be one to watch for. Stefan Diggs, he looked very, very good two years ago. Went through some injury problems last year. This year, he looks special. And again, I know New Orleans' defense and especially their secondary is very, very bad. But Stephon Diggs will hurt you, and he did against New Orleans. But the other guy is Adam Thielen, who I think could be like a top 15 receiver in this league. He's sneaky good. He gets open, and he's so good with yards after the catch. He's going to be a handful for whoever's covering him, whether it be um, you know whether it be Joe Hayden or Artie Burns, or or if they put Thielen on the inside. I think they put they put Diggs on the inside more than Thielen, but. That, that's going to be a, a tough matchup for this team. And they, and they have, it's going to start for this team with getting pressure on Sam Bradford, uh, and not and making him uncomfortable. Um, defensively for the Minnesota Vikings, they're very, very good. We knew that from last year, right? They were a very good defense last year. They were not, they were certainly not held back by their defense last year. They were held back by an offense that was kind of lethargic for most of the year. This year, if their offense is looking better, their defense is still very, very good. And, and this is not going to be a cakewalk for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know me, Mike, and Joe talked about last week that this team could be 8-0 or 7-1 coming out of these first eight games. But, you know, Mike always says, you know, you, you can't you can't look at your schedule and just know what who's going to be good and who's going to be bad, right? Because teams change so often from year to year uh, that, you know, teams like Minnesota, who, who when you look on the schedule, you go, ah, Minnesota, they have Sam Bradford, they have a rookie running back, who cares, we're going to kill them. And now you look at this team, and it is it is certainly going to be a dogfight. The offense has to be in sync in this game. You know, they, they cannot afford, the problem is that this Minnesota defense is a very opportune defense. They will make you pay for those kind of missed ball placements that Ben had. Um, where, where he only threw the one interception against Cleveland, he will throw multiple against Minnesota if he continues to do that. I think this game really starts, it's very simple for the Steelers, right? They ended last year as a ball control, running style, ground and pound offense and kind of worked from there, right? They only, they really only had AB to rely on on offense and then Le'Veon in the backfield and they just kind of went from there. I think, you know, with the amount of, of issues that the, the Steelers had with timing and, and getting in a rhythm offensively, go back to that, right? Start with the offensive line, start with Le'Veon Bell, get those things going, and then everything else will open up from there, right? Running the ball makes everything easier. Ben has to play like Ben, you know, the ball placement has to be there, but this has been in a home game, it's the home opener, he should be much better in this game. 
Defensively, as I said, get pressure on Sam Bradford. There's not going to be as many coverage sacks in this game. Bradford's a much better quarterback at this point in his career than Deshaun Kaiser is. But you, you can't allow the easy completions over the middle, right? And this is what I talked about with, with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. You, you have to, you have to tackle the catch. Dalvin Cook, Jarek McKinnon, Kyle Rudolph, these are the guys that are going to kill us over the middle of the field. They're going to kill us with run after catch and Thielen as well. They have to tackle the catch. Can't allow big plays in this game. I don't think this is, I certainly don't think this is going to be the cakewalk we thought it was going to be a week ago. I know preseason, or excuse me, uh, week one has a way of, you know, being, as Mike always calls it, a mirage, or the things that you see in week one aren't always what you see the rest of the year. But Minnesota looked very, very good. I, I'm, I, I'm not worried the Steelers are going to lose this game, but I'm certainly worried that this is not going to be the cakewalk that we thought it was going to be. I predict this is going to be a dogfight. I think the Steelers win, but it's close 27 to 23 over the Minnesota Vikings. That is going to do it for Steeler Country this week. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com is the email address. The website is SteelerCountryPodcast.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. I like to live tweet the games and, and give my thoughts both pre and post game. That's Twitter.com slash SteelerCountry. We'll see you next week.